Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. I want to talk to you today about keeping that life resilient and that you have the ability to be a perseverer. A perseverer. Someone that has perseverance. Someone that has stamina to go the distance. And I want to talk to you about this phrase right here. Life is hard. Now, somebody's going to say, I came to church to hear that. Life is hard. But have you figured it out? Life is, come on, only three people said it's so hard for you to repeat, right? Life is, life is hard. Our country has been through an awful lot the last three years. Would you agree? And there are people in other countries, even with uh, people in Ukraine today that were being bombed yesterday. I saw women out there cleaning up the porch around one of their churches after it was being bombed. They weren't going to let the debris remain. And you and I here, we complain about lots of things we shouldn't. Sometimes we complain about the price of gas. I got a text from someone that says, Pastor B, gas just went down. I'm so encouraged. I said, yeah. Well, they commute to work about an hour and a half one way. So a three-hour commute per day, you can factor that in. Uh, they work 35 to 40 days a month. You factor that in. Their gas price went outrageous. I have another friend who delivers. He is a truck driver. He delivers packages, and he's spending another $1,200 a month on gas. What do you think that does to his P&L? Profit and loss statement, right? And sometimes we complain about, well, the coffee's not hot enough. There's not enough caffeine in it. There's, the ice water's not cold enough. And Jesus was a realist. He understood that life was hard. And if you ever need to find the comfort to get through difficulties, you can run to Jesus. You know why? Because he came to this planet. He walked the same ground you walk on, and he dealt with some of the same attitudes and spirits inside of people that we deal with, so much so that he was misunderstood. Do you remember that? Oh, so much so that he was tried in an illegal court, and he was crucified for having done no wrong. Yet we know why he was crucified. For our sins, right? And he rose again from the dead for us so we can have life through Christ. We, we understand all of this, but here's what Jesus said about this planet that we live on. John 16, Would you read it? Come on now. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have... Yeah, in this world you'll have trouble. The Greek text literally reads this way. You'll have diverse or diverse kinds of trials, ones that you did not predict. How you doing? When trouble comes knocking on your door, it doesn't come with an announcement. Uh, for, for example, in a movie, we kind of know when they're going to set up something, don't we? The music changes. If there's narration, the narrator changes. And around the corner, we know that the villain's going to come out, right? Or we know that there's going to be some cataclysmic crash in the Star Wars. Or all I have to do is do this for you old timers. But, um, that's it. But, um, 
And we know that that fake Jaws is going to come out of the water, right? But man, when the music is set up, don't you wish there was a ba-dump or an orchestrating crescendo before trouble hit you? Ever had a flat tire? You hear this. That's not a warning. That's a declaration. The tire's already flat. And somebody says, well, I've got this little pressure thing on my my uh, dash that tells me when the tire is low. But there, I haven't seen one. Maybe you have a newer car or one of the Teslas or something, and it tells you, tire flat, tire flat. But it still wouldn't matter. It's telling you tire's flat when it's already flat. You don't get a warning. You're about to have a flat in 300 miles from now. You don't get a warning that trouble is coming. And I've heard preachers, theologians say for years, if you give your life to Jesus Christ, You'll live above the earth. You'll live above the rubble. You'll never have another problem. And I'm going, what spiritual journey are you on? If you've been saved more than five days, come on, can I get a witness? If you've been saved more than five days, you know you can give your life to Christ. You can be all in and still have a life that's hard. Anybody know? Yeah, good. Waving your hands in the air like you just don't care. God knows. God understands. We're not exempt from having bad and sad days, processing the news, processing transitions in life, processing anxiety, losing our grip at times. And I want to give you a verse from the wisest man who ever lived. His name was Solomon. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. Though the righteous fall, how many times? They what? They, they, they rise again. Now, I have to help you with the seven times. Many of you know that seven is the number for completeness or perfection. And what he's saying here, not five plus two equals seven. Seven is not what we're after. Remember when uh, Peter asked Jesus, how many times do we forgive seven times? And Jesus arbitrarily says, no, seven times 70. And Jesus wasn't going after 490. We know this. He was just throwing out a number. You can't count that high, Peter, of how many times you're going to have to forgive other people in your life. Oh, we just spent two weeks here with Pastor John teaching us about forgiveness. I thought he did an excellent job, but I have to say sometimes it was kind of hard to hear. The thing that I have to do, that forgiveness is not an emotion but a decision, man. And forgiveness, when he talked last week about the fact that we can't wait for other people to come to us and ask for forgiveness before we extend forgiveness to them. I thought he did a masterful job, but a couple of times I said, ouch. Anybody else say ouch? Yeah. One lady in the church texted me, he's really great, but I don't like what he's saying. <laughs> I, I get it. I get what she meant because it was a challenge. And I want to challenge you a little bit to understand this, that though a righteous falls seven times, they rise again and again. Why? Because the phrase seven here is you fall again and again and again. You fall, you fail, you mess up, you stumble, you lose again and again. You fall and you got it? You fall and you fail. If you don't get it, I'll keep going. You fall, you fail, you mess up, you lose. Yeah. Some people want everything under their control. Like you text on the phone or you run a video game, you know. I want, I want it all right here. I want the remote right here. I feel powerful. I can change the channel even when the person next to me doesn't want me to change it. <laughs> Power. 
You know what I've learned about power and control? I really don't have any. I have power over myself. I have control over how I respond and react to situations and circumstances, but I don't control the universe. People sometimes say, Pastor B, can you put a good word in with the man upstairs for me? (laughs) I say, why don't you do it yourself? I'll pray for you, but I can't control what the outcomes are in heaven. You can't either. So I want to ask you a question. How do you handle hard? If the righteous fall, and we could ask the question, why do righteous fall? But we know they do. And if we're supposed to rise up again and again and again, see, the the dealing with life that's hard is not how long you stay down, but whether or not you ever get up. Paul the Apostle said, uh, I am knocked down, but not knocked out, resilience. I am perplexed on every side. I, I live in, a, in an emotion of despair at times, and yet I'm going to keep pressing on to gain the prize for why Christ called me forward. How do you handle hard? Let's think about it for a second. I'm going to show you a video clip in a second from, from Kara Lawson. Kara is the women's basketball coach at Duke University. She's a former American professional women's basketball player with the WNBA. Amazing player. She won a gold medal in the 2008 Olympics in China and coached women's three-on-three to gold at the 2020 Summer Olympics. And I would like you to look and listen intently to what she's about to say on how we handle hard. So take a look and listen. Shay a couple days ago, and one of the things we talked about was um, how we all wait in life for things to get easier. Think in your own life if you waited for something to get easier. Oh, I just got to get through this, and then it'll be easy. I just got to get through preseason, and then it'll be okay. I've just got to get through my junior year of high school, and then the classes are going to get easier. I've just got to get to my spring and my senior year of college, and it's going to be easier. It's what we do. We wait for stuff to get easier. It will never get easier. What happens is you handle hard better. That's what happens. Most people think that it's going to get easier. Life is going to get easier. Basketball is going to get easier. School is going to get easier. It never gets easier. What happens is you become someone that handles hard stuff better. So that's a mental shift that has to occur in each of your brains. It has to. Because if you go around waiting for stuff to get easier in life, it's never going to happen. And then what happens? Oh, it's so hard. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, this, I don't know. When, it, when is it going to be easy for me? Oh, it's easy for other people. It's not. It's hard. And the second we see you handling stuff, handling hard better, what are we going to do? We're going to make it harder. We're going to make it harder. Because we're preparing for you for when you leave here not just basketball and life. And if you think life, when you leave college, is going to be all of a sudden get easy because you graduated and you got a Duke degree, it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. So make yourself a person that handles hard well. Not someone that's waiting for the easy. Because if you have a meaningful pursuit in life, it will never be easy. You're trying to win a championship, you're trying to have a family. Ask your parents. Do you think it was ever easy for them to raise kids? Karen, is it easy? It's not. Any meaningful pursuit in life 
if you want to be successful at it, it goes, it goes to the people that handle hard well. Those are the people that get the stuff they want. People that wait around for easy, you probably see them at the bus stop. They're waiting for easy, the easy bus to come around. Easy bus never comes around. You've got to handle hard. Okay, so don't get discouraged through this time. If it's hard, don't get discouraged. It's supposed to be. And don't wait for it to be, oh, I just got to get through the summer. And then it'll all of a sudden get easy in the fall. No, it won't. It won't. It won't get easy in the fall. So make yourself someone that handles hard well. And then whatever comes at you, you're going to be great. You're going to be great, okay? My good, my good friend Walter, you can use that video, buddy. I know you love it. He's a basketball coach. That's why I said that. Hey, do you handle hard? Your pastor's saying, as your coach today, handle hard better. Now, when I watched that video, I went to James chapter 1 because James understands what life is like. It's, it, it's hard. And he tells us, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Remember I said the word Jesus used was trouble, a diverse, different. It's the same word here. Where he says, James says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Trials that, and you're going to like this, that are going to surprise you. Part of the Greek text says, these trials do not come with notification. But, uh, but they don't. Because you know that the testing of your faith does what? Come on. It produces perseverance. And that's what the body of Christ needs more today than anything. A perseverance to stay the course, to run the race set before us. You ever heard that phrase in Hebrews? Run the race set before us. And that word race in the Greek is agon, A-G-O-N, from where we get agony from. The writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, run, run your agony. Give up. Don't fall out. Don't walk out. Don't give up. Don't throw up. But put your hands up and say, God, help me. The Greek literally says that these trials and tests do not come with a warning, but when they do come, they help us with our life. So how do you handle hard? Well, James tells us, and here's the first point. You know, takers have been waiting so nice and patiently. Reframe your heart. Reframe it. Consider hard things in life as a pure joy. And what? What, I'm supposed to find joy in the midst of a trial? Yes, that's what James says. Jesus said, rejoice, I've overcome the world. Have a joy in the middle of all the things that you face. You see, resilience and perseverance are the results of being tested. If you're never tested and tried, if you go, don't go through the tough stuff of life, you'll never be strong enough to handle the next season of life, and you'll never be strong enough to embrace all that God has for you, even all the good stuff. I was with some college students up in Eugene, Oregon, where I spoke last week. And by the way, Pastor Wayne Cordero says, tell your church hello. Uh, he'll be here at the end of summer uh, to speak to us. So that'll be a great day. I'll, I'll let you know more about that. And uh, I got to speak to a church that's two years old. They're already running 2,000 people. And it's amazing. And I got to speak to college kids who I found out that the day before, they went mountain biking up in Eugene, Oregon, some beautiful trails. And one of them showed a video 
of the other guy wiping out, going down a hill full speed through a bunch of trees, a little wood bridge. He made the bridge, but at the end of the bridge, his tire went out like this from under him, and he smashed into the ground, missing a tree by about eight inches, wearing a plastic helmet. I said, that helmet would not have done much if you hit that tree at full force. No way. And then he showed me, he pulled his pant leg up, showed me the leg, man. I won't give you any details. And I told those college students when I got to speak to them, they have 29 interns up there this summer. And I spoke to the college students. I showed them this video. And I said, the only reason you were able to go down the hill and enjoy the wee was because you had to climb the hill. I mean, you can't coast forever. By the way, you never coast. You never just mark time. You always go backward or forward. You never stay in the same spot. Why? Because God is moving and life is moving. And if you stay stuck here in your stuckness, you're going to not be able to embrace what God has for you tomorrow. Let me tell you what testings are. And in your notes, it's there. Testing is the process to test the authenticity of something. When they test metals, they put it under stress test or a heat test. They want to see if this metal is going to be able to hold up under the rocket blast at Vandenberg Space Force. Be able to see if that metal is going to not crunch and crumble at a 5 or 15 mile an hour crash in your car. They want to test the authenticity of the metal itself. Does it have too many impurities in it? By the way, if you've ever had lab work done, blood work, They're testing for the authenticity of your blood. When the PSA numbers are high, something's not right, authentic. If your cholesterol is too high or your blood sugar is too high, they're able to see that that blood is not made, uh, not currently at the level that it was made to be. They're testing the authenticity of that. And if you're an athlete, they can test your authenticity real easy. Have you been cheating the grind and working out, or have you been fluffing off eating Doritos? <clears throat> I need to work out, so I won't go any longer than that. Yeah. Anybody ever had a stress test with your heart? You tell the doctor, yeah, doc, I've been staying away from fatty foods. I'm going low on carbs. <laughs> then they put you on the treadmill, right? They hook you up to all that stuff. And then they raise, you're doing pretty good in the beginning. Then they raise the elevation. Anybody had it done? Oh, yeah, they raised it. Then they raised raised it for me one time like this, you know? And I thought, wow. And they go, just another five minutes, Mr. Fetterman. Young girl, she's 22, you know? She's like thin as. Just just five more more minutes. (laughs) And then we got to test your cool down to see if you go. Oh, I'm for the cool down. Let's go, man. Let's go. They brought that thing up, and beaters are going off and everything else. And uh, he said, you're doing great for an overweight guy. And anyway, It's a gift when you get tested. You know why? Because it lets you know your authenticity. It lets you know whether you have full faith in God or not. Some people believe stuff. They just don't embrace it. Some people believe the Bible, they just don't embrace it and incorporate it into their life. When you go through trials, it lets you know if you've incorporated it into your life or not. And James is saying, you should rejoice. 
when you get under pressure. You should rejoice when the hard stuff comes of life. Why? Because tests demonstrate your faith. They do. They reveal your faith to you, and tests produce perseverance. That's why he says in James 1.4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not what? Lacking anything. Hey, God, give me all you got except for the trials that will produce perseverance so I don't lack anything. But see, God doesn't want you to lack anything. He'll take you through the tough stuff of life. You want to do some research? Look up Peter and look up the word sifted. S-I-F-T-E-D. And there's a conversation in the Bible about you're going to be sifted like wheat. We're going to separate the wheat from the chaff. Just look it up. His name was Paul the Apostle. Some of you know the story. He had a thorn in his side. We don't know for sure what it was. Everybody wants to have an opinion about it. But all I do, he prayed three times for the Lord to remove his thorn in the side. And three times God said, no way. Wow. Paul the apostle? The greatest preacher of all time? The one who wrote half the New Testament, asked God for a favor, and God says no? And you remember what he said. We sang it today. We've sung it different times. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And Paul would later say, I'm glad that the Lord didn't remove my infirmity, my thorn in the flesh. Why? Because I would have not been able to understand the grace of God any other way. Think about that. When you go through tough stuff, God's trying to put his grace in you. So don't bail out. Don't walk out. Just handle hard better. James 1.4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The second thing I want to touch on is we have to develop resilience. See, resilience is the ability to withstand or recover quickly from difficult situations. It's like when we have our windstorms and we do get our share. I watch these palm trees out here and they bend. But resilience is their ability to bend back. They bend, but their ability to bend back is the key. Now, you and I have seen trees that, well, maybe the root structure is not that strong. Maybe there's been some rains, and boy, for rain, because we need it bad. And you watch a tree all of a sudden just topple over. That's what we call lack of resilience. Maybe you've seen a Christian or two along the way, and a hard time comes, and they topple over. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? (laughs) I'm going to rejoice. Lord, even in the midst of this situation, I'm going to rejoice because you're building something in me that I would never have otherwise, a resilience that allows me to bend and not break. The way we we develop resilience, and you're going to love this, you're going to love it, is through this, gratitude. Gratitude. A lot of people today have lost their gratitude, their ability to say thank you, Their ability to say, you're amazing. I mean, we've lost that. We have. By the way, the Bible says in the end times, people will be thankless. Boy, if somebody asked me, you got a prophecy about the end times? You think the Lord's coming soon? Well, according to that one verse, yeah. A lot of people forget to say thank you, to have a heart of gratitude. Now, you can look up these studies that have been done about your brain. 
But did you know that your brain starts getting hard? And when the brain stops being pliable, it makes way for dementia, Alzheimer's, depression, anxiety. And the studies have proven, come on, you're getting a great free, you got to, how much do you pay to see a doctor anyway? This is free today with the price of admission. Come on. When you are grateful, it becomes a lubricant of your brain and allows your brain to be pliable. Listen, I know some 20-year-old kids that have an 80-year-old brain. I know some 30-year-old kids that have a 120-year-old brain. Why? Because they stopped being grateful. If you have entitlement and that's your top characteristic, I pray for you. Yeah. If you live under the ASO rules, remember ASO? Everybody plays. Everybody gets a trophy. Now, I'm not against ASO. We support ASO. I've had my son in ASO, my grandkids in ASO. I'm all for ASO. Just, it's okay. Do whatever you want. Miss the goal. We're still going to have a pizza party. Don't come to practice on time. Don't ever work out. Cheat the grind, and you're going to get a banner that says, you're awesome, right? If we live under that kind of mentality, when stuff hits the fan, we don't know how to react. Somebody asked me, was you want kids to lose in sports? Yep. It teaches them so much. How you respond and react when you lose. How you treat the other team that's walking by. And when you're a winner, do you walk by and rub it in the face of the opponent? No. You say, great game. You'll get it next time. You encourage each other. That's part of what the body of Christ does too. But we have to develop a heart of gratitude. Where do I get this from? I get it from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Come on, let's read it. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in. Wait a minute, all circumstances? By the way, it doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. I'm so grateful I have a flat tire. That's an idiot way to live. But Lord, this flat tire will not rob me from my joy. I will not make this flat tire all about my life. I'll just call somebody, maybe AAA, maybe a friend. I'll see if I have a spare. Dang, the spare is flat too. I know somebody recently that happened to them. They went for the spare, the spare was flat. What do you do? You phone a friend, you call a friend, right? Come on. For this is God's will in Christ Jesus. By the way, if you want to know what God's will is for your life, if you're saved in Christ Jesus, he wants you to rejoice all the time. He wants you to pray continually because there is power in prayer, especially when you're going through hard stuff. Be praying, be praying. But you know what I tell people? Would you pray before you have hard stuff? Just be a person of prayer. So when hard stuff comes, you continually pray. That's what he means here. For this is God's will in your life. Train your brain to see what's good. Train your eyes to look for the presence of God, not his absence, and be a person of gratitude. It will lubricate your brain, and you'll be old, and you'll still be sweet, and you won't be yelling at kids, get off my lawn. You won't be doing that. Or now with drought tolerant, stay out of my rocks. You'll be, you'll be okay. You'll be okay. The second thing is faithfulness. You want to build resistance, resilience, perseverance, and strength in your life? Be a person that's faithful, which means be trustworthy. Have your word be your bond. Keep your commitments. Keep your promises to God. 
Do what God has asked you to do. And when discouragement comes and depression comes, and it will, serve more. What? Yeah, be more faithful. I tell people that are discouraged and living in a black hole, give yourself away. Go find a kid somewhere you can encourage. Go find a little boy who's trying to play sports and doesn't have the proper shoes. Go buy him some shoes and bring him to his parents and say, look, I want your kids to have the best soccer shoes or the best basketball shoes or the best football shoes. You go, what kind of idea is that? It'll change your heart when that kid comes out and smiles at you. Wow, you'll feel good about life, right? Buy a cop a cup of coffee or fireman at lunch or a military member. Just, just bless them, encourage them, right? Yeah, it'll change the way that you live and stay faithful to who you are. Jesus tells a parable of the talents. Remember, he gave out some coins to different people, and one guy was afraid he'd lose his coins, so he buried them in the ground. Another one took them and parlayed them into more, and, and one guy, I mean, just multiplied everything Jesus had given him. And Jesus ended that story by saying, well done, good and faithful servant. So be faithful in all things. Growing up as a young pastor, my, my pastor mentor always taught me this. He said, leave people better than when you found them and leave every ministry, every church, whatever you pastor, better than when you got there. I thought, okay, so that's been my, my mantra. And he used to say this, if the church is growing, get excited, make room for more people. Thank you for coming. And if things aren't going so well, paint the fence. That's what he used to say. Fix up and beautify the church. Because the first thing churches do when it starts going down, they have deferred maintenance and they look really shabby. By the way, I want you to know, we, we won beautification award for the most beautiful grounds of all churches in the city. By the way, by the way, don't get too excited. We were the only one nominated, only church nominated. <laughs> I didn't nominate us. Somebody nominated us. But the committee drove by and it said this was the sole church nominated, Lompoc Foursquare, beautification. We've won it before, you know. But, I mean, people need to drive by and see something looking pretty good. Otherwise, by the way, let me in on a secret real quick. I know it's against sermon time, but I'm going to give it anyway. I can drive by a church on the outside on Thursday afternoon and tell you what it's like on Sunday inside. Just by looking at the church, man. So, anyway, moving on, moving on. Hey, someone shared with me, and I got permission to share this story with you about being faithful. It's about tithing, about giving their finances. Well, it makes people nervous, you know. Uh, about 28% of American Christians tithe, 10%. About 42% give something, and the rest give zippo, nada. I made some people nervous because I'll bet you some of you fall in the nada category. God bless you. And the sermons don't get better if you give money. They're, just, they're still the same sermon. So anyway, just thought I'd say But this lady shared her story with me this last week. And she said, years ago, I'd hear you talk about giving, and I'd see the ushers come by, and I always felt like I should do something. So I would, she called it steal, <laughs> steal money from our budget, and I would give $100, $200 a month, whatever, to the offering. And I didn't want to tell my husband and I thought, wow, way to go. I don't know if stealing is good. I don't know if keeping truth from your husband's good. I, I'm not preaching either one of those. But God blessed their family financially. I mean, incredibly. 
And one day she went to her husband and said, uh, I want to tell you why I believe God's blessing us financially and God's blessing your business. And man, it was, it was pretty amazing. And he said, tithing? And she goes, yeah. Tithing? Yeah. Honey, don't stop. And every month he comes to her now. This is for years. Did you tithe? Because God has so blessed their business. God's blessed their family. God's blessed their grandkids. And they're like, yeah, tithe. Why did I bring that up? Because I just wanted to ruffle your feathers a little bit. No, really because God keeps good books and he honors faithfulness and obedience. I'm going to give you a quote from a gentleman named Viktor Frankl. He was a neurologist, psychiatrist, but he also was a survivor of the Holocaust. Get this. Forces beyond your control can take away everything you possess except one thing, your freedom to choose how you'll respond to the situation. You cannot control what happens to you in life, but you can always control what you feel and do about what happens to you there. Isn't that powerful? Yeah, get that down. I mean, that's important. Is it in your notes too? No? Well, get it down. Victor Frankl. You can look it up. Forces beyond your control can take away everything, but you get to choose what you do when hardships come. You complain, you moan, you groan. And the last one, real quick, is worship. I believe if you want to develop resilience and perseverance in life, you have to be a worshiper. And not just when we gather like this, though that's important, but you have to worship outside. If we spend 20 or 23 minutes or 24 minutes in worship once a week, that's not enough, folks. Find ways to worship outside. There's so much great Christian music out there you can be a part of. And when you're in your car by yourself, just sing to the Lord as loud as you want. People will see. And they'll just think you're like the guy in the next car singing too. You don't know what he's singing, you know. Just worship the Lord. Give God your thanks. Give him your praise. I think there's so many great scriptures, I don't have time to go into them, about where God called people to worship. But one of them is Habakkuk chapter 3, 7 to 19. And listen to this, how you worship during hard times, though the fig tree does not bud. Not good if you're a fig farmer. And there are no grapes on the vine. Not good if you have a vineyard. Though the olive crop fails, not good if you're trying to make EVOO, right? And the fields produce no food, bad if you're a farmer. Though there are no sheep in the pen, bad if you're a shepherd. And no cattle in the stalls, bad if you're a rancher. Yet I, yet I, I will rejoice. It's an act of your will. It's again, not an emotion. It's a determination. I will be joyful in God my And then he goes on to say this, the sovereign Lord is my strength. Nothing's going to take my power away of responding appropriately when bad things happen in life. I'm going to worship the Lord. And we don't deny our past. Come on. But we're not defined by our past. I want to pray with you this morning. If you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, you need to do that. Why? Because I ache with people who are going through the a hard life without Jesus. Think about it. Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And there are people who don't even know him, the overcomer. There are people who don't even know his love endures, his grace is enough for me. 
If you're here today and you've not given your life to Jesus, the gospel in 10 seconds, he dies for you, he sheds his blood for you, he rises again from the dead for you, and he wants to be your Lord, and he wants to lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, and he wants his goodness and mercy to follow you all the days of your life. Oh, and P.S., he wants to reserve a place for you in heaven in eternity. Hey, before we uh, go on, is there anybody here? This might be your day to give your life to Jesus. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand about as high as your head and just give me a little wave. I want to see it. Okay? I see you. Anybody else online? I can't see you, but you can wave to the Lord. Just say, hey, Lord, that's me. That's me. Jesus, we give you our lives. We'll keep pressing on. And we ask you to help us to handle hard better. Lord, sometimes following you is hard, but it's the best thing for us to do. And God, I have to confess, you've gone through so many hard things for us. And we say thank you. Your willingness to leave heaven and come to earth and die for us, we say thank you. God, we will follow after you. Help us to be a resilient people who handle hard better and never give up. Never sit down and wait for the easy bus, but are willing to say, God, we will do whatever it takes. We will follow you, and we, Lord, will be obedient to all that you call us to. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody said amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.